0: Margin Call is the podcast that gives you behind-the-scenes access to the ups and downs of working in the Forex CFD industry. We interview the people that keep the show on the road, giving you insight into what makes the industry tick. The series is guest hosted by myself, Jordan Michaelides, and produced by the team at Neural Media. To learn more, visit gomarkets.com.au slash podcast. That's G O. M-A-R-K-E-T-S.com.au slash podcast or take a look at the Go Market suite of products at gomarkets.com.au
1: Go Markets is a derivatives broker and Jordan Michaelides is the managing director of Neural Media. All opinions expressed by Jordan and podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Go Markets, an AFSL license holder. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for financial decisions nor as an indication of future performance. Clients of Go Markets may hold positions in the derivatives mentioned. A financial services guide and product disclosure statement
0: for our products are available at gomarkets.com.au. In this episode, we spoke with Andrea Morani. Andrea is the CEO of Open Markets and longtime operator in the financial services space. A South African heart, the now Aussie financial operator has many runs on the board with organisations like Investec, Rabobank, and Partners, plus the foundation of South Africa's largest CFD business, Global Trader. Open markets is a digital trading platform that provides clients with direct access to markets via a range of digital technologies, including APIs and trading platforms like iRes. Their primary focus is the provision of trading tools and services for businesses across equities, exchange traded products and warrants as well. This chat with Andrea was a really interesting look into his background and wealth of experience across financial markets. We covered numerous topics including what he misses about South Africa and why he moved to Australia, early memories of making wine, highlights of his career, the impact of technology on financial markets, what open markets is and their focus, new products he's excited about and where he sees the industry going. I think this is a very enjoyable episode, so do subscribe on your podcast app. And if you've got a friend who's intrigued by this sort of stuff, consider sharing it with them. But with all that being said, let's get into this episode with Andrea Morani. Andrea, thanks for joining me.
1: (laughs) Jordan, thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to be here.
0: Um, First question I was thinking, and I always like to ask the guest a bit of an icebreaker and I just... It always sounds out to me as to what they miss most from home. What do you miss the most from South Africa?
1: Uh, good question. So um, my, my family are all still there, my parents and my brother and sister. So obviously you, you miss you miss your family. Uh, but leaving the obvious one out, uh, for me, it would be the bush. Uh, the bush. I, I love the bush. Loved going up to Kruger and northern part of South uh. Africa in particular and getting a week out and driving around, looking at animals, just spending time in the bush. Best place to be.
0: Where did you grow up? Which part of South Africa? Uh, just outside, a small town
1: just outside. Johannesburg, called okay. Standerton, bit of a farming community out there. Uh, my parents were in in the retail trade, had a few bottle stores and, and and the likes out there. So started off in a small town and then moved to Johannesburg when I got to high school, and uh, pretty much Joburg boy from there.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it's a definitely interesting part of the world. I want to get there. My my uncle had he's recently done a few safaris and travel through southern Africa. Nice. So he's a big uh, who does he like? There's that author that used to write, I don't know if he still writes many books now. Is it Wilbur Ross? Wilbur Smith. Wilbur Smith. Wilbur Smith. A lot of like sort of those novels related yes. to the jungle and the, the outback areas of Africa. Yeah. And he, he sort of grew up on that, loving it. Mm. Um, Beautiful part of the world. It's stunning. Uh, the photos he has is just unbelievable. And just some of the videos as well, some mm. of the, the wildlife that you see there. What's the earliest memory that sticks with you from your childhood?
1: Uh, that would be wine making with my grandfather so my grandfather was a uh, very uh, hands-on kind of guy very creative great with his hands great gardener and he had uh, these uh, vines uh, at his house uh, proper proper grape uh, proper grape you know wine making vines that he bought and grafted and grew and we used to go to his place he had this massive property and he'd pick the grapes and put them in barrels. And my mum was always fastidious about how clean our feet needed to be, so we'd be in the in the bath, <laughs> scrubbing our feet. And then my dad would carry us and put us in the barrel, and we'd be standing there squashing, squashing the these grapes. grapes and just feeling that sort of sensation through your feet. Mm. Uh, and uh, and that would go on for a while. A lot of fun, just standing there squashing these grapes. And then they'd take us out, and then he'd run off and. He'd go and make wine, and every single time he'd come back with classic balsamic vinegar, but he just never got the wine. <laughs> never got the wine part of it right.
0: <laughs> what, what, what grapes was he growing?
1: Oh, to be honest, I can't remember. I was this was early. I was, we were quite small. Red red grapes, but um, which ones I'm not sure. But as I say, he. I don't know if he got the sulphur. What it was that he got wrong in it, but uh, we still have that. My my, my parents still have that that culture uh, and that barrel with the culture in it and uh, uh, they add red wine to it and, and it's, it's a fantastic balsamic vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good <laughs> never quite nailed the wine part.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I used to be obsessed with wine. I thought I was going to be a sommelier before I, I, like I was studying commerce and all that and um, it's probably a few, th- maybe he oxidized it too far. The fermentation process might have gone a bit too wrong. I think so. Um, I remember when me and my brother tried to make our own homebrew beer it was a fantastic beer, like the, the wort, which gives it all its flavor and mm. the barley and all that. That was fantastic, but my brother, Hayden, if you're, if you're listening, he uh, unfortunately, we we used to temperature control it. And so, on the second day, I think it's like it goes for about a few days for the fermentation process, we realized that the temperature wasn't getting up. So, he put like a heat rod in and he forgot to take the heat rod out during the day so it's meant to stay at a certain temperature over the night and um we woke up the next morning to the thing frothed over at the, <laughs> the lid now it was still it tasted Did beautiful you drink it? <laughs> but the wheat beer which it was was now a sparkling lager right so, okay
1: there you go I, and when
0: I say sparkling lager I mean like it was like drinking soda water Oh, classic. so um yeah that was that was uh my experience with fermentation no, i it's, guess. it's
1: good fun I, I love i love stuff like that i make biltong as well and i oh, do you it's so much fun yeah, yeah no it's nice it's nice experimenting with stuff like that yeah it's <laughs> classic yeah i've got a i've got a mate
0: from um, zimbabwe who immigrated over here god he would have been like 14 15 and he always makes some um, the what's the circular sausage? B- Burravore. That's right. Burravore. He yeah. always he makes, makes his that. own. Wow. He makes his own. Yeah. That's it's amazing. Massive. Yeah. Now you mentioned before about your grandfather, your parents. Looking at those as influences in your life, do you do you think that there's a particular lesson or principle that you hold now that they taught you directly or indirectly?
1: Yeah, I think. Uh, look, um, my heritage is all Italian. Uh, parents met in South Africa but families emigrated to to south africa from italy after the war for various reasons and it's always been you know a very strong um focus on the family and 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 culture and bond and you know time together um so family uh, was always very important which is quite bizarre that i've and it still does my head in that i've sort of moved my kids away you know from the family we've been in australia for 10 years now uh, and that part I still sort of grapple with but it was always around you know family time together a yeah. lot of importance on on family and the impact that grandparents have on the grandchildren and, and that's probably the thing we miss the most is that gray hair influence on our boys um, but yeah it, it was a st- strong focus on the family yeah
0: I, I grew up in a Greek family so um, my father's family was Greek mothers Australian and uh, you, you sort of see the dichotomy between the two families and yeah, the Greek family, it's always, you know, uh, always often catching up f- for some events that are really non-events. Yes. Um, for a big family lunch or Just whatever. Just because you can. Just yeah. because you yeah. can yeah, and, absolutely. you know, always debating politics and sport. <laughs> and always around food. <laughs> <laughs> always, always. <laughs> um, it, that, That's an interesting point about, you know, you said 10 years here. Why Australia? Like we uh so my,
1: my wife and i um uh, we were dating at the time we we decided to do the the the, the sapphire aussie um kiwi thing and go off to london for a few years back in the late oh, 90s okay. and we spent two years in london lots of fun and and work then took took us to dublin we lived in dublin for a year and i also worked for Bank uh, for a while in Utrecht in Holland which was a lot of fun and we sort of moved around and got exposure to living in countries outside South Africa and we just found wh- while we loved the country and the family was there, every time we went back we just found it had changed a bit more, mm. it, you know, sort of bit of a degradation of the way things were happening and we went through a period where there was a lot of load shedding where there were problems with enough supply of electricity to households and I'll never forget this we were running a, a a CFD spread trading company back then called Global Trade or GT247 which we started back in 2000 and I spent this one <laughs> this one day driving into work the traffic lights were all down so it took like an hour and a half to get in and I and I got into the office and and there was our IT guy on the veranda with a generator a diesel generator oh running the generator to to get the dealing desk going and it was just such a surreal moment for me uh, just looking at that going seriously I mean what is what am I doing what is going on here and uh, and, and then we, we had offices overseas so I'd sort of every time I'd come back from our London or our APAC office um, I would just notice more and more change so we just decided you know what it, it's a tough move but we're gonna sort of look outside we didn't want to go back to sort of where we'd lived before we, we felt you know we'd done the London thing uh, U.S. and Canada just seemed that step too far. Uh, we went back to Italy and had a had a good look at Italy. I've always had this romantic idea of living in Italy, but Italy's nice on holiday. Uh, it's a tough place to to make a start. And yeah. my wife's younger sister was living in Melbourne, so we came over here, and it was kind of a natural thing for us. We just felt so at home. You know, the the culture's very same. You don't have bravos, so you have sausage sizzles. But you know, so there's snags. That, oh, the snags. <laughs> Uh, there's, there, there's a lot of the same outdoor culture and, and the sport, you know, it's very similar. So for us, that was sort of a natural, we, we just felt like we fit it. And a lot of our best mates in London were Aussies. So mm. we already sort of had a small network out here, which made it easy.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny that because I remember when I was traveling in London or in Europe generally, and in London, I met a few South Africans and yeah, it's just culturally very similar. They'd always, they'd always, they always say brew. You're an. You're, how's it brew? How's it brew? You're an. You're an antipodean brother, bro. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. It's it's yeah. It's it's great to hear that. I mean, I think, I think Australians always get very proud when they hear why people want to stay here
1: yes and they should be it's an amazing country a very yeah. welcoming country and we've come over here and it's funny our biggest we lived in brisbane for a while and there's some pretty big south african networks up there and we just never seemed to we, we didn't want to move to a country and then stay in in our south african ecosystem we wanted to get out there and you know meet and some of our best mates here are all aussies you yeah. know it's, it's just great it's a great yeah. Place that's to a live. good
0: point because i remember i used to work as a cafe as a teenager and um there's a few uh, Zimbabweans who sort of they just got stuck in the South African Zimbabwean culture mm. here mm. locally, and they said, "I I hate them. I, hate them. <laughs> 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 I just I came here to get away from them." Yeah, that's right. Um, absolutely. And and you look at areas like Bayside, you know,
1: down yeah, in Melbourne. Yeah, it's just such an internet, such a such a cosmopolitan, you know, community. It's just a mixed bag of different cultures and that, and and we we love that. Yeah.
0: Now, you mentioned before about global trade. I looked at your background, studied accounting and Mm. auditing, but you've sort of worked in a few different roles across accounting and operations in many different companies, um, all the way working your way up to COO type roles. Um, I think you're working for and Partners for a while. Yeah. Yeah. but it sort of just got me thinking because for a bit you didn't you weren't in this you know CFD brokerage yep. type area. How did yep. you fall into it?
1: I um so yeah I did the responsible thing. I started off going when I was a kid I was going oh I'm going to be a Formula One driver and and then I was like I, I might be a pilot and then eventually I just thought well let me just be practical and go and do it. A finance business degree, so I did that. Majored in in accounts and auditing. Uh, found it quite dry and boring, but I just felt I had to get that sort of initial qualification behind me, and and landed a job with uh, um, a company called SA Eagle, an insurance company in Johannesburg, downtown downtown Joburg. and did that for a few years. But just found it wasn't something that I wanted to make a career out of. I just found it, you know, it just wasn't for me. But it gave me a good sort of footing and. I can't remember how exactly it happened, but I got an opportunity to join Investec Bank uh, yeah. as a product accountant. So still on the finance side, but that was sort of a step into investment banking, and uh, and then sort of it built on from there. And slowly, then I sort of transitioned from auditing into finance. Then the years in London with the likes of Merrill Lynch and Bankers Trust gave me more and more exposure to trading. Uh, and and we were working on balance sheet control projects. So we were working with the dealing desks, like accounting for their P&L and that. So that started getting me more and more interested. And just looking at, you know, how dynamic and different the market is every day. And that's really um, where the interest grew. And then going back to South Africa, this opportunity to join. I had two opportunities. One was going and join a corporate travel company in quite a senior position, but it was corporate travel. And the other one was again on a finance role in the startup there were six people in a room who sat around and said why don't we start a cfd spread trading company and i (laughs) thought oh that sounds like more fun so i went and did that and yeah seven years later we sold uh, global trader and uh, to to a JSE listed company and that was my sort of opportunity to come to australia
0: there you go it's, it's very interesting to see that progression over someone's LinkedIn. It's always very intriguing yes. to look at it yeah. and sort of pick what what's the story behind what they did there.
1: Yeah. What made them make which decisions to go which way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, like I said, you've had quite an extensive career. If you look back, is there a particular insight or something that stands out to you over your career thus far? Um, I think... The, the the biggest sort of insights and
1: and in particularly if i think about the last five years at at open markets um is you know in the earlier days a lot of the technology that, w- that was coming to market and and the big enablers were the big names you know the ibms and and and, and now it's just incredible how prolific it is across the industry um, and you've got some of the best tech you see in some of the smallest companies out there now eventually they do get bought and taken over and that but it's just amazing to see how, as I said, how extensive and prolific it is across the industry. And the one thing that I'm seeing now that I haven't seen before, and it's quite it's quite fascinating how the regulatory aspect and the technology aspect are almost li- running in tandem or... You almost find the technology is leveraging quite heavily off the regulation, like open banking, you know. So we want to we yeah. want to open things up, and and the technology is there to support that, and the stuff we see now with distributed ledgers and that. So I find it quite fascinating how aligned those two are now, and it doesn't feel like they were that long ago. So that's quite an interesting change, I think.
0: Yeah, I th- I think I'd agree with that. I remember we've we've spoken to a few different people about industry. Um, and the the one thing that they all highlight is that technological change. You know, like we interviewed um, a few people from the GoMarkers team, and they were just saying, like, even when they were leaving uni and starting out in this industry around oh five oh six, that um, you know things were still really manual. Yes, absolutely, then. absolutely. Yeah, like it's it's only a recent development that we have these sort of basically. Uh, high frequency style trading order books and systems that run everything.
1: Yeah, and the amount of people that we have approaching us, you know, and they'd be two guys in a shoebox, but they've got a, a great <laughs> idea, you know, to, to get this this trading company going and, and, they, and they come and engage us because of our API offering, um, you know, getting access to markets but uh, just such a range of really good ideas. And some of them work and some of them don't, but it's just, as I said, it's incredible to see how many there are out there that are, that are having a crack and you wouldn't have seen that five years ago.
0: Well, that must be a really interesting thing for you guys because you sort of act as like an intermediary for a lot of these people. Yes. Um, so in a way, you guys must almost be at sort of the forefront of what's happening because you would be hit up all the time like you said two guys in a <laughs> office shoebox office wanted to do this or that yeah um we, we
1: do we do see a lot of it it is and it was and it's and it's deliberate uh by, by nature the way that we set things up we, we didn't want to bring a b2c offering to market and and be caught in a front end platform race and and with the and try and compete with the marketing spend that comsec for example would have as a retail provider so we started targeting that B2B, that business to business intermediated space so mm. what that means essentially is is companies that have got an AFSL they've got a license or they're a corporate authorized rep under someone's license so they've got authority to operate under that license and they come to us and go look we, we want to trade so we, we need you to give us access to market and then we do that in a range of different ways we either give them if they're more sort of traditional advisory businesses we give them a front end to trade in like an Iris or Pulse or Reuters or Icon or, you know whichever front end or we provide them with a suite of api's where they can trade they can call client balances they can pull market data they can basically run their business so a good example of of a company like that would be self wealth for example who yeah. run their social trading platform and all of the interaction between us and them is through apis
0: really yeah yeah it's self wealth and and these sort of newer businesses that are cropping up like net wealth uh, it's it's very very interesting as to what's mm. going on there i think maybe for the audience give them a i mean i sort of condense my own version i you guys are dubbed as a digital trading yes. platforms <laughs> and uh, just for the for the audience in lay terms it essentially seems that you guys are an intermediary for a few different parties but also a direct access point for a specific niche group, like traders, for example. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So we, we want to focus on the trading aspect, and and again, deliberate. You know, I've sort of drummed it into the team and the way that we communicate and present ourselves. We don't want to put ourselves forward as an online broker because even though we have quite extensive licensing um, under that sort of broking regime, we we focus on providing low cost direct to market as efficient as we can trading opportunities so initially starting in Australia and now starting to roll out access to to global markets and more product but really focusing on the trading component we don't run an advisory arm or we don't you know focus in a lot of that corporate activity it's really just focusing on, on the on on the basics and get in the trading component. Yeah.
0: You don't bundle in the research that you get from other online brokers and all this other stuff that is largely irrelevant. Like when I look at a broker, I'm just wanting to allocate capital somewhere. I don't really care how their fancy profit and loss, you know, systems work and all the research they've got, like with their stock picks and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So that, that to me has been an interesting element. I mean, I said, um, I made in our notes that I was looking at a few interviews from Rick back in the day when things were getting started and I'm curious as to like, how do you guys see your sort of competitive advantage? Is it simply that you're just opening literally the markets for people that didn't have access prior or as much access? Yeah. Or yep. is it something else entirely?
1: No, I think there's, there's a couple of uh, uh, approaches to it. One is giving a range of different client types access to markets. So to the point you made earlier, whether you're a B2B, which we've spoken about, or a retail investor. So you could be, you know, mum and dad sitting at home, not trading too often. We've got front ends that are easier to use and sort of click refresh. But then we've also got, you know, we're offered tools like Iris Pro and that to the more professional guys who used to work on Insta trading desks and now are making a living trading for themselves at home. Um, We give them access to to those more professional trading tools and and they trade through us. Through partnership with with Saxo, um, providing access to, to a range of international equities markets and then we're also talking to people in the industry like Cashworks um where we can Latrobe, La for example we've had discussions where we can open up access to those products through apis and looking at some of the stuff on the sort of digital side as well where we can give our clients a broader range of exposure but because we're doing it through other parties' APIs, we can still consolidate that for them in one front end, mm. so that they're not having to jump from system to system. Yeah, there's just no more it. Yeah,
0: it's just the one, A- you know, the yeah. one or two APIs, and then they're one, in it. one point of contact. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, then your way of growing the business and product development is either, you know, vertically via new markets or horizontally via new products yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and a lot of focus on social media yeah, so Genevieve who looks yeah. up, lo, looks after our sales and marketing at PR along with Rachel and Susie just do an amazing job you know in terms of the brand and building the brand and 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 driving the brand in the industry and we find for example tools like Twitter and LinkedIn are extremely effective uh, tools to be able to drive the message
0: yeah LinkedIn is um is one of those things It's just a platform that i think is incredibly undertapped at the moment you know like mm. for example when we post um on our own podcast via twitter facebook instagram the best exposure you get is probably on instagram but none of it compares to linkedin linkedin is just one of those platforms where you can get so long as you're focused on business obviously yes, yeah. you're not posting the crap that you see on linkedin it's like i want to like for you know save the trees or something like yeah, that People yeah no that doesn't work at, that well off, no. <laughs> um no, no it is
1: I, I agree i think it's an extremely powerful tool yeah. definitely
0: and i think the it's very interesting watching the content you guys have done i quite enjoyed you know looking at um Genevieve's interviews um, With people like McGowan Yes Um, It's just interesting to hear From them I I almost would love to hear it, You know Like a bit of a longer interview Right to, To help them sort of like get through that you know because the first four or five minutes in a lot of interviews the people feel like they just if it's a four or five minute one they feel like they need to get it all out yes do you know what I mean yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's be, a
1: good point I'll pass that on Yeah, make sure she does longer interviews <laughs> well I'd be intrigued
0: to see like that McGowan lady she was really interesting I, I, I'd be intrigued to see what she, what else she had to say after she sort of relaxed and got into you know when people yeah. you have a conversation with people and they sort of get into their mo- their groove so yes, to speak yes yes
1: and then you can't shut them up after all
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is the problem. <laughs> well <laughs> no no but
1: you're right but it but people do do look at that and and what what J- Jane came to me with after that that interview is how many similar type businesses then called her up and said, we also want to do one. So there is a little bit of FOMO involved there. 100%. But, you know, it, it's just, you start one good one and people look at it and they go, wow, this is how many views it's had. People are talking about it. People have noticed it. And then it grows from there. I mean, OMTV was an idea that we had. We thought, oh, that good, let's post a few YouTube videos and see, and it's really sort of grown into, I think Bells now also have a Bell TV and, you know, so it's sort of something that people seem to be doing because it's a great medium through which to get you know content out and drive your story and uh, and pe- people are happy to sit and listen to a podcast or, or watch a i mean i, I do audiobooks now because yeah uh, <laughs> we'll talk about
0: books, <laughs> books in a later. bit but
1: uh, but yeah i think i think it's a very effective medium um so yeah it's been very well received
0: yeah it's good to hear that because I, I like it when people get out there and do that sort of stuff and knowing that it's getting a good response yeah um Uh, it's sort of obvious that our audience is um, mainly retail traders and and a small element, I think, of the industry, institutional players as well. I'm curious as to what what novices can learn from how open markets approaches the industry, approaches risk. How do you view your principles when you approach the industry? We operate a very low
1: risk model Mm -hmm. Uh, people look at our business and think oh it must be very complicated and that (laughs) it's it's actually a very straightforward business and it's low risk in the sense that we we run with stock and cash up front so so we even for people that want to sell a parcel of shares we bring the stock onto the hen so we have visibility of it before we sell it and by default we set up accounts for people now some groups don't like that they go i don't want another bank account but by setting up that cma it gives us visibility of the cash so we operate in a world where if we can see your cash and stock, the trade's good to go through. We don't provide our own leveraged or gearing or anything like that. We leverage of partners like leveraged equities um, for margin and gearing that people may want. So it is a, a, and then even with some of the options strategies that we offer, we stick to level one. So buyers of puts and calls and covered calls where you can lodge the stock and cover it, cover your option trade with the stock. And that's essentially it. We we don't do more, you know, offer any um, gearing or leverage or anything more averse than that. A a client would never be in a position where they could lose more than the trade that they've done. So, So in that sense, it is quite... A different model um, we don't do advice we do try and and, and point people in the direction of, of research and we actually will be launching tip ranks uh, in the okay. next month which is good sentiment analysis on US markets and seeing what we could potentially do with them locally so I think sentiment is interesting a lot of people have expressed an interest in more sentiment analysis tools and and that so uh that's where we try and sort of help people with ideas and access to information and that but um but yeah really try and stay away from from risk uh or putting clients in a position of risk as much as we can
0: and so the the products you have are equities etfs uh you uh, offer bonds
1: uh well, no we don't No, i mean yeah, so xtbs exchange traded bonds okay so, so we focused on on exchange listed products uh, as much as or, or predominantly so exchange uh traded bonds exchange traded funds uh, and then also exchange traded options etos
0: that's the other one
1: yeah, yeah ETOs. and now we're rolling out us um us markets so over there we'll do equities and then again we'll do ADRs so depository receipts uh, and then probably through the middle of next year we'll open up access to some options in the US mm-hmm. uh, and then as I said other products like cash works TDs we, 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 we've looked at the bond space it's just and the managed funds for example as well it's just that there's a lot of administration behind the scenes in yeah. supporting those products so we'll get there but they just haven't been a priority. For us, I think now that our focus is broadening out more, and we're getting more and more wealth managers and that on the platform, the, the managed funds sort of area for us is the next logical um, progression.
0: And the thing is, as well, is people will hit you up about the types of products they're interested in, as yeah. well as this goes on. Absolutely,
1: and there's a lot of people that want a lot of product and are going to do a lot <laughs> of great things, and uh, and then you know it doesn't materialise. So that's tricky as well. is trying to sort of manage how much effort you put into getting things going and. Because you can't, it's difficult to hold people to stuff, you know, they've got great intentions and then for whatever reason, strategies change and things change and you've done a whole bunch of work to provision things and it's not there. Like, I I love these conversations where people will say, we need international markets. And and that's a broad statement. And when you drill down and you go, exactly what is it that you need? No, no, just the US. Okay.
0: (laughs) It's so typical, isn't it? Is there, are there particular products that you're excited by? if you're looking at a two to three year sort of short to mid-term horizon are there specific products that excite you that in particular you'd like to add i think i think it, it's it's so we'd really like to add um,
1: managed funds and have a much broader and not just um the listed ones but you know have a really good offering around managed funds so we've been talking to i've been talking to calliston and Ozmac in that regard i think the exciting one that we'll give a big push uh, in the new year will be the direct u.s equities um, yeah. and doing it in a way that differentiates us from other providers in the market and doing it at pricing levels across brokerage and fx rates that that will make more competitive as we optimize the offering but getting a, a a true u.s trading offering out there letting people trade through the nights you know yeah. and giving them access to choosing Uh, the destinations that they trade into there's a the u.s market is very complex um there's maker-taker models there's alternative trading systems that we can put flow into so it's not it it won't be a vanilla offering you know as we go and that's quite exciting because it is such a sophisticated broad market with so much access to so much information and i think that complemented with The sentiment analysis that we'll get from tip ranks will make for a nice offering. And at the same time, it helps Australian investors diversify because, as I said, most of the time when they come to us and they go, we want U.S. markets, we want international markets, it's always the U.S. And the other interesting thing about the U.S. is a lot of the top hong kong and uk companies are actually listed in the u.s in the form of adrs and that so if yeah. you just open that up you can actually get quite a lot of global exposure just through the u.s market itself
0: well that's the thing is like, i was thinking god the the pricing that you guys offer for traders is very competitive um should i sign up and the one thing that was in my head is u.s because i mm. i like to buy a few u.s companies in particular yeah um so that for me would like open the floodgates. I think a lot of people would, would have that same opinion as we, well. We'll get you signed up in January. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, look, um, we've already cracked half an hour. Oh wow. Yeah. I didn't, re- I didn't even realize that there's a whole bunch of questions I still want to ask you, but <laughs> you won't be able to shut me up. after yeah. Um, some short, fast questions to finish you off. What does your morning and evening routine look like?
1: Right. Morning, uh, up six, six thirty. Uh, my wife and I take the dog for a walk. Um, because by the time we get downstairs, he's making all sorts of, of noises. He's got to get out the house. Uh, I'll make her a, come back, make her a cup of tea. Uh, and then I'll make sure that I've woken... We've got three boys. I'll make sure that I've woken them up and said good morning before I go. I don't like leaving and not having at least you know s- seen them in the morning. I feel then your whole day is gone. And if you come back late at night, you kind of tend to miss one another for a day. So that's the morning. Uh, I swim twice a week in the mornings, which, which is great. I really enjoy that. Um, and then evenings... Uh, it varies. We've got a pretty full life. Boys have got a lot of sports on. But the one thing we do do is we always sit down around the table together for dinner every night. So so that's a nice tradition as well. And then we talk about our day, and which is good. Enjoy that.
0: Um, if you were to gift the audience a book for Christmas, something that's had a very influential impact on you, uh, what would that book be? Right.
1: Um, so the I've made some... Uh, so the book I would go with, I think I read it a few times and I actually gifted this to a few people, is Outliers uh, and it's Malcolm Gladwell. Oh. Uh, and it, uh, Are you familiar, familiar with it?
0: I know Malcolm Gladwell very well. Okay. Yeah, I like his work.
1: Yeah, so Outliers is really interesting because it does look at – people that have performed outside of of the norm and it looks at characteristics that may have affected that across a range of different things industry sports uh, it's it's a fascinating read and i had a few people that i've sort of referred that book to as well
0: this isn't i mean the book that identifies um the ten thousand hours is it yes that's right it is yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, he um I, I love listening to malcolm gladwell's uh, podcasts um thing is called revisionist history. Um but I might be getting that wrong. Uh yeah, he's a, he's a brilliant guy, very smart mm, thinker. Absolutely, incredible. Um T-
1: 10,000 hours is a very interesting and I use that with my boys as well. They go, I want to be a great basketball Well, you've got to get out there and get yeah. the hours going, right? It doesn't just happen. It's going to take a lot of hard work.
0: Yeah, if you if that's the one redeeming feature, the one lesson that I've learned from my parents is hard work is everything. That all that'll set you free to absolutely. do whatever. Yeah. Um, if you could have a billboard anywhere, where would it be and what would it say? So
1: I like the comment from Muhammad Ali, uh, don't count the days, make the days count. I think that's, uh, we spend our lives wishing for this and hoping for that and looking forward to the next thing. And I think you've got to really sort of live for the moment. Um, where would it be is a, is a tough one because, uh, (laughs) Pun road you, you want <laughs> you want to put it in the place where it gets the most exposure right otherwise there's no impact so um, I don't know you'd have it in as, as many places as you can where you can hit as many eyeballs as you can but where that is I don't know maybe in every airport in the world or something
0: That's a good one airports could be good a lot of people always pick um, Times Square or the King, King's Cross or something like that yeah absolutely yeah. I
1: think where you can get a lot of eyeballs I mean nowadays really most of it is social you'd probably stick it on the Facebook homepage and you'd hit a few billion people hey
0: that's a good point no one Ever said that? <laughs> um, well, look, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, where can people find yourself and open markets?
1: So, uh, obviously, website, openmarkets.com.au. We're based in Melbourne, uh, up in Little Bourke Street, across from the courthouses, up at 451, uh, up on level two. And uh, Susie will welcome anyone with a <laughs> cup of coffee, a cup of tea and reception. I'm, I'm just off the reception and my, my door is always open. So, obviously, love to have people join us. And from an from a online perspective, uh, yeah, please do follow us on, on LinkedIn. Uh, Facebook Twitter as well the the team's very active in that regard um, so yeah l- love the following and really appreciate appreciate your time as well Jordan it's been no, great right. being here today thank yeah, you yeah
0: we'll, we'll make sure for everyone listening that we've got links to all of that including yourself on LinkedIn so that they can reach out as well
1: yeah that'd be good Gr- great to great to have a chat through LinkedIn and, and uh, I'm always up for a, for a coffee <laughs> and a chat any time of the day uh, and I'm in Sydney fairly often we, we tend to get around a bit so yeah um, uh, and I'll be in South Africa next week for anyone listening. Happy to catch up over there as well.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, man. <laughs> Thank
1: you. Thanks for your time.
0: Cheers. Thanks for listening to Margin Call. Before you run off, make sure you subscribe on your podcast app to get first access to new episodes and consider sharing this with a friend who loves the Forex CFD game. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube by searching GoMarkets. That's G-O-M-A-R-K-E-T-S. Until next time, thanks for listening.